0: Hi,
1: I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. Now, everyone that's here in the sanctuary received a bright colorful bag and doesn't that make you think of something festive and joyous and and it's it's kind of like palm sunday was right it was festive it was joyous. You know, the scripture says that they were waving palm branches, which now, if, if it was a 2022 event, it might've been more like um, they would be waving balloons and streamers and confetti. But but then that way they celebrated was palm branches that they were waving before the Lord. And, then, and even throwing their clothes down on the ground for Jesus to walk over, it was bright it was cheering, it was happy, it was joyous, and that's what this colorful bag is also making us think of. But inside the bag are symbols that are going to help us as we go through the path to the cross. And so the way we're going to do this today, Pastor and Craig and I are doing it together, and um, where it's So this is kind of taken from the concept of stations of the cross, Um, but we're not doing all the stations, but these are things that happened in that week between Palm Sunday and the day that Christ died. And so there's lots of scripture for today's readings, and then some comments along the way, but we're gonna dive in because it's going to take us a while to get through all of this. If you can look in your bag for a little card that has a picture of an alabaster jar. I purchased a a real alabaster jar like this when I was in Egypt and gave it away as a gift (laughs) And today when I was looking, I was like, oh, I wish I had gotten myself one of those jars. But this is really what they look like, and and an alabaster jar. And you will note that it has a kind of a strong scent to it. So I want you to pay attention as you're holding this symbol to the reading of what happened that this is representing in Mark Chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. I mean, that's, always, that's, that's like just said almost matter-of-factly. A man that had previously had leprosy? Okay, all right. A healing in the house here. Okay, While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and disgust. Well, I don't know about you, but my card is, it's a pretty strong scent. Um, and it was, it's a good perfume that I used to, to put on there, but it, each card has a sprint, a, a spritz, like that. It's not a lot. Can you imagine an entire jar of, of an even more strong perfume broken and poured over Jesus' head. How that fragrance would fill everywhere. I did this little project out of doors and Craig could smell it from a couple of blocks away.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's
1: true. <laughs> so I want us to think about the reality of an expensive, extravagant show of love, and ask ourselves what's the most extravagant thing I've done for Jesus recently? Hold on to that. Craig is going to come and talk about the next step on the path. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was true. I did a little jog this morning about a quarter mile that way and about a half a mile that way because wind blew that way. I was smelling this perfume. So imagine, just imagine what it would have been like in a culture that doesn't get much perfume, how strong that would have been. Hold out your prayer card this morning. Pull that out of the bag. It's a prayer card. Um, from Matthew 21, verse 12, I'm going to be reading and talking about the clearing of the temple. Matthew 21, beginning in verse 12, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. And those references are in Isaiah 56, 7 and Jeremiah 7, 11. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. Now Jesus is quoting Isaiah 56, 7 when he cleanses the temple and overturns the tables and the chair of the leaders who were taking advantage of the people and had made the house of prayer into a den of things. Jeremiah uh, 56 verse seven says, I will bring them to speaking of the foreigners or the different, different people of different ethnicities into my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations or all ethnicities. Now, my comments are this. What's interesting about this passage of scripture is the emphasis he places on knocking over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling what? Doves. Now, why did he emphasize that? There were provisions for the very poor in Israel, and they were given an opportunity that if they did not have the money to buy a full-grown animal, uh, a heifer or a goat or a sheep, that they would be able to either capture a dove out in the wild or bring just a few uh, penny so to speak and by a dove at the temple there are provisions for the very poor that did could not afford these very expensive sacrificial animals and it was this very oppression towards the poor and the different ethnicities by the insiders who had gained power who held positions of power that Jesus is expressly addressing He had come, imagine the poor coming with a full heart into the temple to pray only to be met with oppression with price gouging. They came expecting to pay just a few insignificant coins for a dove only to be gouged by the oppressors of the poor. If I know anything, I know this. Just like Jesus came into that moment and addressed the oppressors of the poor, there is a shift. Going on in the body of Christ. And those who have used their positions of influence and power, the insiders, the ones who are like gain power in the body of Christ and then are oppressing the poor and making barriers towards different ethnicities coming into the body of Christ, there's a shift by the Lord Jesus Christ who has reserved the right to exercise control and authority over his body, the body of Christ. And I want to encourage you, if you're active in ministry, If you're active in the kingdom of God's work, hold loosely that position of power and that influence. And if you ever, ever, ever are in a season of just considering, um, to, to just give your will to the Lord to make sure this position, this powerful position is just, is, just, is just something before the Lord. Now is a good time in this season, what I call a season of shift, to make sure you're keeping the temple of God, a house of prayer. Now we know the New Testament calls the temple the body. Our bodies are the temple of, the, of prayer. So now the temple, our, the, our human bodies are our temple. So what, what are we thinking about? Our minds? our hearts are we allowing our mental processes our heart processes to become a den of thieves are we allowing our thought processes to 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 get so confused that we that we're messing up our own human experience and our prayer life is so confused and torn by so much stuff going in our mind how many can just say admit even while I've been talking there's been five or six other thoughts coming into your brain Yeah, that's just the way of life right now. And so we've got to bring our thoughts into captivity this morning and offer ourselves so that we can have a time of prayer in the house of the Lord.
1: How interesting. The juxtaposition of the pouring out of the expensive perfume and those that complained about it claiming they were worried about the poor and that this should have been sold and given to the poor and yet Jesus when he went to the temple was making a statement about do not oppress the poor and our next step on the path. There's a little silver disc in your bag. It's not a real coin, but it's shiny. How many have ever been tempted by the shininess of money? By the influence that money might give you, by the stuff that you could get with money. Some of the other passages about the anointing of Jesus called Judas out specifically, that he was one of the ones complaining that that expensive perfume was wasted. But we learn that Judas was unhappy with the way it was going with Jesus. He expected a different kind of king than Jesus was turning out to be. And so we read in Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16 Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples went to the leading priests and asked how much will you pay me to betray jesus to you and they gave him 30 pieces of silver from that time on judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus the scripture does not really give us everything about Judas's motivation we don't fully understand everything about why he would do what he did but the scripture does make clear the battle he had going on in his heart with money and the reality that he was a thief he stole money from the bag even though he was the one given authority to be the treasurer Judas was one of the 12. That means everything we know about the time Jesus spent with his disciples, the teachings that he gave his disciples, the miracles he performed with his disciples, the ministry that he empowered them to go out and do with the disciples. Judas was a part of that but the scripture says he betrayed Jesus and we must be alert and in this case especially alert to the shiny things whatever they may be that wrestle in your heart trying to be the king So that we do not follow the path of betrayal, but instead we are faithful to our faithful God. We sang that song where it says, you're never going to let me down. And Rachel was sharing with me kind of how that lyric um, speaks to her. And it really meant a lot to me to hear that, that when things don't necessarily go the way I think they should go, I can still sing, you're never going to let me down. I can still say, you are faithful, you are good. And if Judas had been able to fully overcome the wrestling in his heart for shiny things and for money and instead believe that whatever it was that Jesus had going on, he is good, he is our king, we can trust him. And I want to encourage us today to remember to put our trust fully in him. We're gonna move on into the next part of the path, and I'd like you to take your elements for communion, and just as a part of this path to the cross, we're going to share communion together.
0: Good points, Brenda. I know um, it was about two years ago the Lord began to deal with me about money and um, the love of money is the root of evil. And it was like I had to go through a period of affirmation that said, money, I will not serve you, but money, you will serve me. And it's a ch- transition. We don't, that, we, that we, take, we take ownership over the way we deal with money. And just, so this issue that Judas had, it's, all, it's in the heart of every human being. Uh, to do stuff we shouldn't do for money. And so it's a a heart process. Matthew 26, we move into the moment of Passover. I'll be reading for verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. I just wanna remind you, I just want to encourage you that if to come to Passover service because if you don't understand Passover this does not make sense to you it cannot make sense you must understand Passover to understand the context of what Jesus was saying Passover is when the Lord himself passed over Egypt during the time of the enslavement during the time in which uh, Moses had called Pharaoh to let the people of God go, and they were like, "This was the tenth plague that was that was that was coming against Egypt, and the plague was this: only the people of God who would slay a lamb, an unblemished lamb, take it, take a like a paintbrush and paint the the outside of their home, the lintels of their home." If you do not have that covering and protection of the blood of the lamb, then the Lord himself would exercise his authority as a creator to take authority over the firstborn of his creation. If you're Jewish of any ethnicity or Egyptian, the Lord himself. Without the covering of the blood, would take authority over that which he created, every firstborn, and and destroy them. Now I know it sounds harsh, and it it is. But there is a thing called the fear of the Lord that we must get. That the Lord Himself is the Creator. He has all right and all of authority to do whatever He wants to with His creation. And the way that we stand guiltless before Him is how. Through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, he took our place. Thank God. So let's take this little piece of bread that represents so much. Thank you, Jesus, that you became the Passover lamb for us. And you said, take and eat this is my body lord we stand before you guiltless because we accept jesus christ as our lord and savior our passover lamb who died in our place take this little piece of bread and remind us that it represents the body of jesus christ the passover lamb given for us in jesus name amen
1: So many things happened in that room. He told them that one of them was going to betray him. He washed their feet. (laughs) He told them that the greatest in the kingdom would be the one who serves. And that if he, the master, is going to serve, we should be willing to serve too. But after supper, he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And now we do this in remembrance of him regularly. Quoting from... The Apostle Paul who says, this is what I received from the Lord. This was what he did on the night he was betrayed. We live in that new covenant of his blood. Let us receive the cup together. Verse 30 reads, then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives.
0: And in everyone's bag is a stone because they just want a stone's throw away. And there's another interesting thing about Gethsemane about... A stone that we will learn I'll be reading from Matthew 21 verse 36 and this is going to be more extensive reading then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane and he said sit here while I go over there to pray he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons James and John and he became anguished and distressed He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing but the body is weak then jesus left them a second time and prayed my father if this cup cannot be taken away unless i drink it your will be done when he returned to them again he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open so he went to pray a third time saying the same things again then he came to the disciples and said go ahead and sleep have your rest But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Now, Gethsemane is located in an olive grove on the Mount of Olives, which is just, imagine Jerusalem being located here, just a little valley called the Kidron Valley. And that begins the base of the Mount of Olives that's covered with olive trees. It's just a very short walk. And so within that olive grove is a place called Gethsemane, a place of pressing. It's where the olive press was located for, that, uh, for the olive trees on that particular uh, garden. Um, it, it, and, and there's a place, it's like a large semi-flat rock that's located that that is his, historically they say that's where Jesus prayed and so now they've got a structure built on top of that that is dedicated solely for prayer you can come in and they've got it roped off this is kind of a it looks like a like a probably a limestone rock probably as large as this part of the platform here that you can just kneel down beside i remember going and praying by that and i felt crushed by the lord when i knelt by that same rock that jesus prayed not my will be done and herein lies the great secret of the christian christ followers life to identify with the sufferings of christ and echo his words lord even if I'm suffering, not my will, but thine be done. If you want to know the secret of a Christ follower's life, it is found in the garden of Gethsemane. When you pray this prayer, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Not when you're, you're, you're tempted to, to do things in the middle of your suffering, but but it, it, it's it's It's, I'm sorry, not if, but when we're all tempted in our times of suffering to get outside the will of God and do something we shouldn't do in in your time of temptation and time of suffering. That is when, just like Jesus who sweated great drops of blood when he was pressing through his time of suffering that you and I and every human being will have to accept in your time of suffering, in your time of stress, you will be tempted to do something you shouldn't do. Anyone beside me felt felt that before? Wouldn't it be easier just to do this or do that in my time of suffering? That is when we say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And allow the crushing, depressing to actually press out that that stresses and sins and the temptations of this world and get refilled with the presence of God thank God that Gethsemane reminds us that we can we had the opportunity to overcome the flesh the cares of this world the lust of this world the pride of the flesh in Jesus name
1: The next stop on the path to the cross is the trial. We live in an interesting time when we think about trials and justice and courtrooms and that sort of thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. This week, Justice Jackson was confirmed, the first African-American female Supreme Court justice. That's a big deal. the word war crimes is out there now and that you can't just throw those words around Uh, that that talks about courts and justice and and something having to be done about it if in fact there have been actual war crimes our justice system has some brokenness in it but it is important for us to realize that what we understand as the way a court trial may go may not be able, we may not be able to just take that template and lay it over to what we're reading here. This was in the time of the Roman Empire. This is in the time of a Jewish system in Jerusalem that um, is not what we are used to. But let's read a little bit about this trial. Matthew 26, 62 through 68. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replied, You have said it. And in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, blasphemy, why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they shouted, he deserves to die. Then they began to speak. Hit in Jesus face and beat him with their fists and some slapped him jeering prophesy to us you Messiah who hit you that time check in your bag for a, a little hand sanitizer wipe and keep that in mind as we move on to the next section of the trial which is where they took him before Pilate. They were all about killing Jesus, but they needed some Roman help to get it done. So down in chapter 27, verse 11, Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, You have said it. But when the leading priests and elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they are bringing against you? Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Jumping down to verse 24 Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death. We and our children So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip.
0: So inside your bag I believe is a, um, a piece of leather, a leather strip. This is the portion of the scripture that after I was diagnosed with a stage 4 blood cancer, I felt like the Lord said, you need, you need to brush up on your healing scriptures just a little bit. So this is, this is an important part uh, of life right here, folks. And, and this is why I'm convinced about what I'm going to say is true. The prophet Isaiah looked to the future. When the creator would take responsibility, and would accept the punishment for the sins of his creation. The creator would take ownership for the condition of his creation and take responsibility for the sins of his creation. And Isaiah looked to the, fo- to the future and penned these words in Isaiah 53, 5 but he the creator was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins he was beaten so we could be whole he was whipped so we could be healed so isaiah looked to the future when the creator would accept the punishment for the sins of the creator of the creation the new testament in first in the epistle of first peter chapter 2 looks back upon the vicarious, which means through the experience of another person, the vicarious and atoning. Atoning means satisfaction or reparation for a wrong, for injustice. Reparation being tossed around a lot for different things. Jesus took a vicarious and atoning position as the creator taking full ownership for his creation. I think about a year ago the men in the church read a book called Extreme Ownership. This is extreme ownership. The New Testament looking back upon this moment in first Peter chapter two verse twenty one reads For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally, he personally carried our sins this is extreme ownership vicariously he experienced punishment for us and he was atoned or he made reparations for the sins of his people he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right by his wounds you are healed Isaiah looked to the future and said you will be healed the New Testament reads back and says you are healed. Chronic pains like recurring migraines, bone aches and pains like rheumatoid arthritis that leaves a person in constant pain. They were all taken by Jesus when he was scourged. Death-producing diseases like the hundreds of types of cancers were all included in the scourging. The emotional distresses of a broken heart, from broken dreams, were all included in the scourging. The oppression that comes from resisting the power structures of this world were all included in the scourging. Yet in Isaiah and in First Peter, they say, "Yet we all like sheep scattered." and fall away i urge you and i encourage you when not if but when your time of suffering comes you will not fall away from the creator you will not turn away from him at the moment of suffering i'm asking you to include an annual reading of the book of job To understand that suffering comes to every human being. So you can fully understand every human being is going to suffer at one level or another. And Jesus suffered for you so that the ultimate sting of death will not even touch you. And the ultimate pain of your suffering will not ultimately hurt you that bad. Be absolutely convinced that Jesus, at the point of scourging, took every sin every sickness upon it he personally carried it and he was willing to take ownership for the sicknesses either you've brought upon yourself or just came upon you because you're a member of the human race he took it now this is a very tame whip compared to the one jesus had they had lead tipped broken pieces of glass and they would literally be whipped and it would rip Really, rip his, his, his skin away from his his back that is what was included in the scourging can we say absolutely 100 percent that by his wounds i was healed and i am healed in jesus name can we just say thank you lord thank you for being scourged for being wounded so that I can receive my healing. And now would be a good time to receive your healing in the name of the Lord Jesus and be the healed in the name of the Lord.
1: Amen. You have a, a rough... Wooden cross. And three skinny little nails. (laughs) This is not the kind of nail that was used to nail Jesus on the cross. (laughs) If you can imagine... A large, iron, rough. This wood has some rough edges on it, but imagine an entire beam of roughness. The scriptures are brutal and short in describing the crucifixion. Perhaps because the word itself, crucified, uh, embodied all the horror and pain and torture and cruelty. So I'm reading just the lines from each of the four gospels. In Matthew, it says, After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Mark says, Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross, Luke, when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. John, there, they nailed him to the cross. It's like everyone else already understood everything that meant, and that's all they say. The point of crucifixion, Jesus had already lost a great portion of the amount of blood in his body through the whipping, through the beatings, through the thorns. They're laid on that beam and nailed hands and then feet. The feet are positioned in a way to where you can't breathe. And so what crucifixion is doing is you are... Hanging there, suffocating to death. But you know our natural response when you can't breathe. I mean, you know, we played a trick. One of the kids had hiccups, and we were trying to see how long we could hold our breath. Not very long, right? I mean, some longer than others, but as long as you're holding it, it, there comes a point when you're going to... (gasps) You're going to try to breathe. And on the cross, as you're the only way to allow some breath is to press against that nail in your feet and raise yourself up a little bit to get a breath. And so then the pain and the tearing and the blood continues. We tried to illustrate today the path to the cross. The symbols you have held help us to imagine the physical physicality, the physical reality of Christ's suffering. He was anointed with that perfume that may yet have filled his senses as he hung between heaven and earth he was betrayed by a friend even his close friend he confronted the people in the temple and and cleared them out he washed his disciples feet he sweated and wrestled to make the battle cry, not my will but yours be done. He was ridiculed, mocked, beaten, spit upon, flogged with a lead-tipped whip, crowned with thorns, beaten with sticks and rods in the head. His beard was plucked out. He was barely recognizable before even getting to the place of crucifixion. Then he was forced to carry the heavy beam. Eventually, Simon the Cyrene was recruited to help him, as he could not bear the weight. And then, the incarnate Son of God, the Word made flesh, was stretched out, his body trembling with the pain as nails were driven through his hands and his feet. He was nailed to the cross for me. The overwhelming, overpowering love of God was poured out in full. Through the cross, a love so deep, a devotion so strong, a purpose eternal from before the beginning. The cross is the power of God unto salvation. We must proclaim it. The cross stands not alone in God's redemption story because on the third day, Jesus arose. The early church proclaimed the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ as elements of a single event that isn't complete until Christ return. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Can somebody say amen? amen. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we must not drain it. We must not drain the gospel of its power by forgetting the experience of the cross. We cannot celebrate a resurrection without the cross. Jesus has been given the name above every name because he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Why? Why did he die? Romans 5, 8, and 9. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Why did he die? Love. Love for every one of us. The path to the cross is open for each of us today. Every one of us is invited to receive the salvation afforded by the cross. And every one of us needs a savior. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. I invite us all to commit to taking up our cross to follow Jesus. If you have never actually made an intentional decision to make Jesus your Lord, today is a great day. For those who do claim Christ today is a great day to commit to that ongoing surrender of our will to his will along with the rough wood cross in your bag and your group of symbols there's a small wood cross necklace i want to encourage you this week maybe you can wear it during holy week as a reminder of this path to the cross or hang it somewhere where it will be in front of you and and you can have that as a reminder but I want to invite us all at this moment to a prayer of commitment please bow your heads Jesus we remember we remember what you suffered for us and in this moment of time that we call holy week we want to especially commit ourselves to a fresh surrender to a fresh call to follow you, to a willingness to put our will aside and to choose you. I pray that you will help us to grasp the depths of the love of God that is the cross and the reality that All of us must come to the cross. You have been given that name which is above every name and every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. We do that today. If there's anyone in the sound of my voice That today is the day you want to make that first intentional commitment to Jesus as your Lord. There's not any special formula for that. It's this heart cry, this reality of saying yes to him. The scripture says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved you believe that he is god's son and that god has raised him from the dead you are saved so i encourage you in that commitment today god i thank you for the cross and i pray that we will ever live in the power of the cross in jesus name in jesus name amen I know we've gone long today, and I thank you for hanging with us. I want to send you out with a blessing, because Jesus himself said this, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcasts and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.